The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of MyStressAlarm.com. On this podcast, I have occasionally talked about a concept called creeping normalcy, whereby little by little, as we mature, We graduate from school, get married, have kids, buy a house, take on more responsibilities at work. And of course, that's a generalization. We don't all fit that mold. But my point is that there's a certain amount of pressure and responsibility that comes with those types of life events. But it builds up so gradually over the years that you might not realize just how much stress you might be experiencing. Not to mention, we're currently living through the worst pandemic in the century, and for all kinds of other reasons, I think we can all agree, the general stress level is higher among the general population than just a few years ago. Although, I go through a bunch of societal changes through the last century in episode 39, The Only Constant is Change, which you may want to listen to to get an idea of how our current lifestyles compare to those 50 to 100 years ago. Because while there are certainly things that we don't have stress today, uh, like we did, you know, back then, generally speaking, I think we have more stressors today than we ever did 100 years ago. But anyway, one thing that I believe to be true, but I can't prove it, is that as we age, not only does our immune systems weaken, but our body's resilience to stress goes down as well, which could be related. Now, again, I can't prove that. But the reason I bring it up is because the only constant in life is change. Things are constantly changing, including our bodies. Now, bear with me here because I am going to jump around a little bit. But I want to go back to my back injury, which, by the way, looks like six months it'll, it should resolve itself. Yay. i got to wait six months, though. And I should get back to a quote-unquote normal lifestyle, which for me includes tennis, hiking, and generally being more active than I've been all summer. Um, But the thing is, my spine is not going to ever go back to exactly as it was before I injured it. It's just going to go back to a state where I can be active again with relatively no pain or little pain. We'll just have to see how my body responds. And it will be a slow transition back. It's not like I'm going to start by taking a 10-mile hike right away. I'll take a walk around the block and see how I feel. And then little by little, adding uh, a little more and monitoring how I feel until I work back to quote-unquote normal. But it is a wake-up call that maybe I shouldn't be carrying cases of water anymore or shoveling snow or giving piggyback rides. Not that I do that. Um... I should be able to do just about anything once I'm well again, but maybe it's just not worth the risk on the heaviest of lifting, you know? And I'm emphasizing that word risk, which I'm going to get back to shortly. 
I'm still on the fence about mowing the lawn because it, it's a perfect way to exercise, which I could always use, and, and, and it saves money as well because it's so expensive to have someone else do it. Now, mowing the lawn mostly requires pushing as opposed to pulling. Pushing is much more desirable than pulling because pulling really puts most of the pressure on your back, whereas pushing, you use your legs a lot more. So I'm bringing this up because even if you've never injured your back, your discs are degrading, okay? It's a normal part of aging. Your discs get thinner as you get older because they don't hold as much fluid in them, which acts as a shock absorber. So you can get some stenosis, they call it, um, and that could begin to pinch a nerve and you may begin having some back pain, most likely in the lower back, uh, a little arthritis perhaps, and perhaps you could even get a herniated disc the way I did, but be asymptomatic, all without ever having injured your back, okay? So in fact, I could have already had my herniation uh, before I injured my back, and the injury just aggravated the herniation, but didn't cause it. Impossible to know for sure, uh, but the idea here is that we are changing, and that same idea can be applied to our resilience to stress. Now, I want to clarify that I'm not talking about resilience training, okay? That's because resilience training is more about cognitive and the ability to withstand emotional stressors due to change, uh, workplace stressors, and so on. So basically, you're avoiding stress in the first place. This is cognitive and, as I mentioned in previous episodes, superior to chronic stress monitoring in the sense that you are preventing stress uh, so an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? The only catch, though, is that cognitive therapy, cognitive training is difficult. You're challenging your own notions and perceptions, and that is difficult to do. But I'm talking about resilience to actual stress, not avoiding stress, but dealing with the stress you have. In the context of chronic stress monitoring, the stress is coming mostly from overworking. And by the way, people may disagree with me. They may say, no, 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 Adam, resilience training covers all of it, the physical stress, the mental stress. But, uh, you know, you can make your own uh, conclusions there. But anyway, the important thing here is that if your body's resilience to stress goes down with age, then in the context of chronic stress monitoring, your threshold for stress goes down with age as well. So it's not a constant. Now, it doesn't change that quickly. It's not like one week your threshold number is 40, let's say, and the next week it's 35. Now, just so you understand, with the My Stress Alarm app, your threshold number could change week to week, but that's only because it's calibrating and adjusting as you continue to make your assessments each day and your data accumulates. In the beginning, when you first sign up, obviously there are assumptions built into the algorithm since there isn't a whole lot of data to work with yet. So the significance of your threshold number going down with age is that presented with the same data, you could make different decisions over time, and should. Remember, chronic stress monitoring is all about your ability to make data-driven decisions, to have the ability to take calculated risks. So in one part of your, one part of your life, you may decide to take the risk, Whereas presented with the same data later in life, you may go a different direction. And this gets to an even broader point about chronic stress monitoring and the My Stress Alarm app. 
it does not in and of itself reduce the frequency or severity of your stress-related symptoms. Your decisions do that. Your more data-driven, more informed decisions do that. Chronic stress monitoring and the My Stress Alarm app simply help you make more informed decisions by giving you a more objective view into your stress levels and where you are on a, on a given day in relation to your threshold number, which is when you generally become symptomatic. So ultimately, it's up to each individual to make his or her own decisions based on that information, as well as considering other uh, surrounding circumstances. There is no right or wrong decision. It's a personal choice how much risk you're willing to take each day. Two people, uh, all other things being equal, could have similar data but decide differently what to do. And even the same person, maybe at age 30, could decide to take the risk that day and stick with his or her current workload. Whereas at age 50, same data may decide not to take the risk due to the presumption that their threshold number drops with age. And of course, as I often mention, always talk with your doctor before making any changes to any treatments, before starting any new treatments or exercise plan. And just in general, it's important to keep your doctor in the loop. And I always mention that chronic stress monitoring is not an exact science. And so you, you want to leave some margin for error there. You want to give yourself a cushion for unforeseen circumstances, unexpected events, as well as tasks that you may have underestimated. But there may be times when you decide to take the risk and you end up flaring up. Sometimes that's the only way to really know where you stand. You can argue that I had to injure my back so I know what the risks are going forward. And luckily my prognosis looks good. We'll have to see. But sometimes you have to touch the stove, you know, in order to really know what the deal is. Or, as I like to say, occasionally you have to do things to remind yourself why you don't do them. Now, the only other thing I wanted to bring up is sustainability planning, which is something I created to complement chronic stress monitoring and is more proactive than reactive. Because over time, the presumption is that, yes, your, your threshold number would drop with age, but your need to monitor your stress level should also drop with age because you're going to be in a much better position long term, right? That's the, that's the idea. What I call coasting along in my sustainability matrix, defined as being satisfied with the progress you're making on your goals while getting a certain targeted amount of rest in each day on average. And I've gone over sustainability planning in detail in previous episodes, specifically 9 and 10, 45, 46, and 48, I've talked about the different categories and scenarios represented in the sustainability matrix, uh, trade-off planning, and, and this all sounds like a lot, but honestly, it could take you maybe a half hour. One half hour to think it through and is very beneficial, very beneficial. So you're getting the short-term reactive approach to making decisions, which is chronic stress monitoring, still data-driven, but also taking a proactive approach with sustainability planning, trying to think more long-term when it, you know, what it takes to achieve your goals in a sustainable way, because it's all about sustainability. If you can't sustain how you're living, you know, from a stress standpoint, that's not a winning strategy, right? 
Well, that's my two cents for this week. I really do value your feedback. Please don't be shy. You can post a comment on the Perfect Stress Facebook page or always feel free to email me directly at adam at perfectstresscoaching.com. Well, that's it for this week. Please stay safe. Wishing you good health and success. And as always, thank you very much for listening. If you have an autoimmune disorder, heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, depression, or something else you think is stress-related, please try MyStressAlarm.com today. It's free for a limited time. There's no wearables or sensors needed, and it takes just one minute a day if you're slow. That's MyStressAlarm.com. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, stress less to be your best.